Okay. to make that decision, right? So if we look at our lives as walking down a path, were you looking where you were going? Maybe that's a way we can look at it. But when you walk out of your door, at the beginning of the morning, you wake up, you go outside, what is it that you see, right? When you open the door, you look out, do you just see, okay, I have to get to work, or do you see your car, okay, it's my car again, or do you see nature? You know, what do you see when you get to work? What do you see when you sit down for dinner? You know, if you're by yourself, what do you see? If you sit down with your family, what do you see when you're sitting down with your family? When you sit down with, you know, sharing a meal with a, with an international student, what are you seeing? Are you just seeing? Oh, I don't get it myself. When you show up on Sunday, what do you see? What have you seen when you were here this morning? Like when you walked into church, got some coffee, you know, what do you see? This is stuff that you need to be, you know, you're thinking about, you're answering in your head, right? I hope. Um, when you're supposed to clean the church. Once a month, Fridays. I don't know what we do, how often we do it. We haven't done it in a while. On fifth Friday. Ah, fifth Fridays. So, when we're <laughs> supposed to clean the church, you know, when, when you're like, man, it's my week to clean the church. Um, what do you see when you go do that? Or when you're asked, when you see that text, <laughs> what do you see? When you see that announcement. When someone else is, is, is asking um, for money for something, right, like retreat, or like, Somebody's, you know, what do you see? So the Christian um, who fails to see the mission will perish, right? And so as we are reflecting on our sight, um, first, Second Peter 1, 9, but he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So point number one, there we go. Um, Jesus facilitates the means to your sight. I did like, this is like a triple alliteration. Like each point has a point. So there's like three names to each point, right? There's point one, that's your point, and then there's a P word, and then a W word that's an action. So some bonus points. It'll be really easy to remember. Um, so point one, the work. Jesus facilitates the means to your sight, which is him making provision. Um, John 9, verse 6. When he had thus spoken... He spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the man with clay. And so, the context of what's going on in John, right? We all know, hopefully, if you're studying through John, or maybe you're in Thessalonians, and I don't know, then, then you have a pass. But uh, hopefully you know that John is going, to, or Jesus is going about his work. You know, he's ministering, he's starting to do miracles. It's not his time yet. He'll show up in the synagogue, preach the word of God, and people, some people will believe, some people will want to stone him. They try to stone him, and he kind of like slips out the door. Uh, not ready to die. And so um, that's what's going on. He's teaching. He's came. He's you know starting to build a following. He's got some disciples, um, and he's starting to just drop like these truth bombs um, on his disciples while he has time. Like, hey, here's a little spiritual thing that you should pay attention to, and maybe you know you need to write about it in a, in a Bible someday. But. Uh, um, humanity, so back, that, that's the, so that's the context of Jesus, I guess, right now, and then back up, where we're at in humanity, is humanity has strayed from its original presence with God, right, 
Like, it doesn't matter in creation when, when God made Adam and Eve, right? They didn't really need to see him. He was there. They were like, there was like three beings existing together. Like, they were there. He had, he, they had his presence, right? And then um, God has provided humankind with himself, so, but then humankind sinned. Right, like human sin, Adam and Eve sin, so we got separated from God. And so then um, he provided uh, man with a law. You know, he gave Moses the law so that they could follow the law and by the law and sacrifices and the temple they could be close with God again. But then that didn't work. Um, and then as we're going through in Samuel, you know, he had, he had judges for a while, but then they wanted a king. So kind of fast forward through Sam's Samuel series to the end. God gives them David, his king, and so that way if they, you know, follow the law, follow the king, they can be close to God. And then, that didn't work, and so then you have the dark ages and all this stuff, not the dark ages, but the dark period where the word of God was, was hidden, basically, and now you have the son, Jesus, showing up, that's where we're at, so, anyways, uh, he spat on the ground, John 9, verse 6, we're going to break down this into that. So he spat on the ground, and so this is a little study on spit. Um, <laughs> Leviticus 15.8 um, says that, and if he that hath the issue, um, so this is talking about the unclean man, like he's gone through leprosy or something like that, and it's expounding on the process of what happens if your neighbor is unclean, what happens if you know your mom's unclean, like how do you get rid of the uncleanness, what do you do? And if he that hath the issue, spit upon him that is clean. So if you were ever wondering, you know, oh, this God's leprosy spit on me, what do I do? Go to Leviticus. Um, and then he shall, um, he, the guy that got spit on, he needs to wash his clothes, and he needs to bathe himself in water, um, and be unclean until the evening. Even. So you, you know, you wash everything, and just consider yourself unclean until the evening, and then tomorrow you'll be fine. Um, and so then... After all that kind of stuff, there's a spit with how they should deal with divorce and like, not divorce, like a death and the, her, your husband dies and then uh, you go to his brother to see if he can keep you in the family and if he doesn't, you have to like take a shoe and spit in his face. Like, it's a big ceremony thing. But basically, every reference of spit in the Bible is, is a negative thing. Like it's kind of bad, right? Like divorce, spit, like unclean, spit. Um, until, you know, you get to uh, these contexts of Christ and spit, which are still bad. Isaiah 50, verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Uh, Matthew 27, 30, they did spit in his face and, and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands. So it's heavy stuff, but it's all negative. Until this reference where Christ spits on the ground and heals a man. Isn't that cool? Like how the spit is humanity shaming God, and God takes their act of shame and like heals a person with it. It's pretty cool. Um, and then there's also, I mean, how many of you guys have seen or read Dune? Pretty famous work. Yeah. Well, okay. Maybe this isn't the best reference then. Um, but there's this, there's this desert. They're in a big desert planet. Right? And water is like the most precious thing in the desert. And so it's like 
you, you care about everything. When, when someone dies, it's like spilling their water because the human body is not used to water. And so in Dune, what they'll do is they make like a, a bond pact. You spit. It's like you sacrificing what little water you have in the desert. It's like you spit. It's like something super like bond. It's like your life. Anyway, so spit is really important. <laughs> and that's what it signifies. You know, like Jesus, who we're going to talk about, what I'm saying is like Jesus has, has sacrificed 90% water of his body that's human now, he's, he's taken some of his body and he's going to use that for this man, right? He's given up some of his life force and he's going to use that. But he spits on the ground. And so Genesis 2-7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Genesis 3-19, in the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread till thou return into the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So ground is what we are from, and ground represents creation. Jesus takes his life force, and he spits it on the ground. So he's taking the water, the life, the, the supernatural essence that is Christ flowing within him. He takes it, and he combines it with the, the creation, the original piece of man. Um, not the most important piece of man, but, you know. And so what Christ is doing here is taking himself and combining it. He's rejoining creation with the Holy Spirit again, right? This man is troubled. He knows that to cure sin, there's not a part that man can, man can't cure its own sin, right? It needs, it needs to come in contact with Christ again. It needs to be rejoined with God to be whole. And so, um, he's, he's making clay of the spittle, um, He's taking the spit and the or the spit and the ground. He's making clay, and the act of these two things, mixing it, forming it, and creating it, is the very thing that God the Father did with creation. Right. So now He breathes in the Holy Spirit. If you play like a, a wind instrument or a brass instrument, what do you always see the trumpet players do or whatever? Like when they're not playing, they're resting. They take out their for the French horn people in a symphony. They take out their mouthpiece, and you see them like do this, and you watch underneath, it's just like. All the spit just falls out of their brass thing. It's pretty crazy. They do that, but they blow out all the spit. And so, you know, that's creation. Um, okay. um, and it's the very thing that, that God did. It pictures Christ as the potter. He's, he's literally working clay. You know what I mean? So he's potting. Uh, and what does the potter do? He, he's molding perfection back into the dust. And so Jeremiah 18... I don't, yeah. Verses 2 through 6 says, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I, w I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. The, the wheels that you, you know, make the, the mugs and the bowls. And, um, and the vessel that he made the clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do this with you as this potter? Said the Lord, Behold, as the clay in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. So Christ is the craftsman, Christ is the master. Um, we, we tend to get ahead of ourselves in this formula, right? So you can throw up that, I think the next slide's a picture. Right, okay. <laughs> this is clay. It looks pretty smart, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Like it looks like it's going to make a lot of good life choices. You know? like it, it can, for one, it, it can think, right? It has a mind. 
Uh, it's gonna choose the right friends to hang out with. Like, no, this is this is clay. What you need to see here is that this thing doesn't have a mind. This thing doesn't have eyes. This thing doesn't have ears. It's an object of creation, right? And you know, we're being a little facetious because I can think. But I'm in the hands of the potter. This is clay. In the hands of the potter, clay is nothing. So this equation that you have to get is clay is to potter as uh, the potter is to God, right? So we're taking another step in there. Or clay is to human as human is to God. Does that make sense? Like as as God is the potter of us, like it's like it's like the bowl talking back to us as we're forming it. Like, well, one, like what in the world do you have to say? How are you even saying anything? You know? <laughs> it's on a different plane. It's on a different existence. You know what I mean? And so he takes this stuff. He takes this clay. I'm building to a bigger point, so stay tuned. Uh, and then he, he see he anointed the eyes of the blind man with this clay. And so we see this work that happens again in Revelation 3.18. But that's the work of Christ, creating a way out, right? He's, he's stumbling across this blind man who can't see, who needs supernatural intervention. Where is that? In order for this guy to see, he's going to need Christ to do something, right? There's not like a really fancy hospital back then that's going to give him eyes. He needs Christ. And so he's, he's taking it, he's mixing perfection back into this clay. Um, and he's, he's, so he's doing the part of the equation that that guy never would have been able to do by himself. You see that? There's no way that this man could have spit in the clay himself, molded it into the clay, anointed his eyes with it, and washed it in this pool. Right? He needed Christ to do that. See the picture now? He... Christ had to prepare the work. Human, he wasn't able to do that. He did, he did for that man what that guy would only have been able to t obtain through Christ. That, that's grace. Um, that's what we believe right now. That's, that's salvation. No ordinary spit could have worked. It had to be Christ's. Um, he, uh, yeah. And so in Revelation 3.18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy shame, of, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. So we start to see that, you know, this is kind of a couple of things that Jesus has done now. He's anointed eyes to give vision, right? What he's doing to this man is restoring sight. Um, so keep that in your head. Now these eyes, they're to be set apart. These eyes are, are to be consecrated. Um, they're not, um, he's not just giving them vision so that he can see, right? They're, the point of seeing isn't just to see in, when you're dealing with Christ. Um, this, this, gives him, this is going to give him the sight of what truly needs to be seen. Um, this, this is the sight um, to see what will burn and what will last in Revelation 3.18. Um, Christ is making preparation to use this man give him the vision he's going to need to see what God's going to need him to see. Um, Christ has, has made the preparation with him. He's prepared the work. He's, he's anointed the eyes with what he needed to have. And he's done that for you. Christ has, has done all that for you. He's, he's taken himself and he's, he's done the thing that you couldn't do. He's taken the supernatural and anointed you with it, put it over your eyes. He's prepared a way. Right? He, he's made everything ready. The next point. 
He's made everything ready. Christ wants to use you. Did you know that? Point two. Jesus sets instruction before you. Proposition. The way. Um, don't you know <laughs> that God will always let you know what to do? Weird, right? Uh, don't you know he has set something before you? Don't you know there is a task? Um, and then in... in uh, go on in John 9, uh, it says, and he said unto him, comma, go. So he, he, he anointed him, he prepared him, and then he gave him something to do, right? So Jesus did all this work, he, he provided the sacrifice, he, he made the way, and he's like, okay, now that you have this, I need you to go. And so, at this point, the man could have called him crazy, at this point, the man could have disobeyed, at this point, the man could have been deaf. Good thing he can hear. Um, Jesus moving in your life comes with a proposition. To receive Christ is to receive greatness, reward, all spiritual blessing, is to receive victory, promise, and hope, but is also to receive a choice. Right? Christ does all this. Christ, Christ came to the earth. Right? Christ died for your sins. Christ died to give you life again. But that's not it. Right? We don't just know that and so now we're saved. He did that for you. And is now asking you to do something. He asks this man, he tells this man to go, right? But it's, a, it's also, it needs a response. Um, and so, will you take him at his word? This man had to believe Christ. This man had to listen to what he said and do it. Uh, will you have faith? It doesn't have to be blind faith. The man is blind then, but it doesn't have to be blind faith. It doesn't take a leap of faith. The word of God is a lamp unto your feet. Um, every step that you take, you should be able to see. Did, did Christ ask him to do something crazy? You know, at this point, all he says is go. And then he, you know, he says where to go even, so it's even simpler. But Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Proverbs 6.23, for the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction of the way of life. So you know it's weird when somebody says they just need to take a leap of faith. What, is, what does that mean to you when you say that? Or, or what does it mean when you challenge... Okay. So I can see with the word of God, right, it's a lamp, I can see every step that I take. As I command, as I obey the commandments, as he says go, I say, okay, go. And then as he doesn't say anything, doesn't say anything, I don't go. But I have light, I know where I'm going. And so for you to take a leap of faith into the darkness where you don't know, you're, you're jumping away from the light. You're, you're walking, you're like, okay, <laughs> jumping off, and you don't know what's going to happen. Well, maybe I'll just... Let God work it out. You know, if he wants me to do it, he will. Like, wait. <laughs> what happened to the path that God had you walking? And he was showing you where your feet needed to go. What happened to that? Why did you have to jump off over here and see if he would give you light there? He had you light right here. So did Christ ask him to, ask him to do something crazy? No, the task given to this man was simply to act. Simply to respond. Christ commissions the Christian. He gives you the great commission and the great commandment. Um, and then point B is to wash in the pool of Siloam. 
So he tells him to go. He's like, okay, well, the next thing is going to be really difficult then. Like, going is too easy. The next part has to be crazy. And then he says, go to that pool right there. It was right next to him. Go to the pool. Doesn't that sound simple? You know, doesn't that sound <laughs> easy? He didn't need to go and then find a magic mushroom to add to the salve to now he's going to get psyched. Or he didn't need to go, you know, there wasn't a magical ingredient because Christ provided everything he needed. There wasn't, um, he didn't actually need to kill his son because Christ provided a ram. You know, he didn't need to go and, and treat the logs first so that they'd catch fire and that so that, you know, the, the, the Baal worshippers wouldn't catch fire. No, he just had to go and pray and it was going to happen because he was provided. It was, it was already taken care of. God provided. The instruction is simple and the action is simple and we don't have to do that crazy thing. We just have to obey. All he had to do was wash his face. You know, go to the pool of Siloam to cleanse himself of uncleanness, to refresh, right? Like, you know what refreshing is for us? Opening up the Bible in Romans 12, renewing your mind, just washing. Um, all you have to do is wash. And point C, which is by interpretation, sent. So that's crazy. Like, you know, God anointed him, God commanded him, and then he said... This commandment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an interpreter. I'm gonna interpret it, right? So by interpretation is sent. So you have the Holy Spirit mixed in there somewhere, um, interpreting to him what it actually means, um, which is called sent. By the way, um, what we would call sent is like a missionary or apostle means like a sent one. And so preacher, ram in the thicket, wasn't Jesus sent for the world? Hmm. Um, Man, in faith, taking Christ's gift and obeying his command, washes in the pool, and the Spirit translates to him. When he washes, he's taking the ministry work and cleansing his eyes with it. Um, it's very easy. Isn't it easy to splash water on your face? Well, is it a little harder to rub some soap together, get some extra dirt off? It's pretty easy to wash your face. It's pretty easy to walk to the sink and wash your face. Mm -hmm. Um, the, uh, so point three, moving on. Jesus is to be glorified, and this is the presentation, and this is the worship. Um, the man, he went, he washed, and he came singing. The man obeyed, and he came back whole, right? Obedient, wait, did I skip the picture? There's a picture of a guy washing his face. Well, can you go back to the other slide? Oh. Yeah, pretty easy, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you can just do the hose. All right, next slide. That's the one you needed? Forward. Okay, forward. Obedience is beautiful. The man of God who obeys him shows that beauty in his face. Acts 6.15 says, And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. I'm talking about Stephen. Being pre preparing to give you know, the sermon that ultimately leads to his death. Faith and obedience in creation, uh, us, lead to sight. Ephesians 3.9 And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, uh, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. And so this is the point um, that took a long time to build up to. 
But this is the point. The guy received sight. And he washed in the pool called be a missionary. Um, you know, you know, that's not what it says, but <laughs> what are you supposed to be, right? Remember the pool that Christ asked you to, to wash in? Remember the pool that he's asking you to wash in now? Or, hey, there's a pool that God's asking you to wash in, and it's called, and Jesus made a way for you to see again, and all you have to do is go wash your face. All you have to do is Romans 10, 9, and 10, believe in Jesus Christ, ask him to forgive you of your sins, and say that I want to follow you, and you're clean. You know, you were unclean, you were born blind, but Christ made a way for you to have sight. If, if you've forgotten how to see, Christ made a way for you to have sight again. You go to the pool, and you wash your face, and you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, and you look up and you can see again. Christ did all the work. There's never that hard part that you have to go do. You know what I mean? The part that he asks you to do, say, hey, go over there and wash. So what you have to do is say, okay, I'm going to follow this light that you put in front of me and go there. That's the word of God, a light into your path. You just have to watch. The spirit, right, is for glorifying Christ. Provision is for glorifying Christ. Miracles in your life are for glorifying Christ. Power from up on high is for glorifying Christ. Victory in crushing circumstances are for glorifying Christ. Persecution is for glorifying Christ. Rejoicing is for, is for glorifying Christ. Joy is for glorifying Christ. Loss is for glorifying Christ. All spiritual blessing is for glorifying Christ. Riches, poverty, marriage, singleness, sin, blindness, it is all so that Christ be manifest in your life. Whether you accept it or whether you deny it, Christ wants to be manifest in your life. God wants to be glorified. And you know what? As the world pains in pregnancy, it's overdue. That's going to happen regardless of whether you're going to obey and watch the pool. You know what I mean? So, was Christ's point here simply to give this man sight? No. It is not about you being able to wake up and see. The point is that you get the vision, right? The point is that when you look, you see what needs to be seen. That's, that's what the pool of being sent does. It shows you the need, right? Now that he has sight, he can see what matters. It didn't, when, you're, when you're blind for your whole life, can you imagine how cool sight is? More, like how much more valuable that is to, me, to him than to me? Like what he sees in comparison to me? So, when Christ rejuvenates your sight, you get to see what he wanted you to see. The eye salve, the special eye salve, you know, Christ putting stuff on you, that helps you see. It's the thing of being sent, the missionary work. You know, you, you need to see what needs to be seen. Um, so here's what, what we're, we're winding down here. Uh, ministry gives you sight. You know what? Souls are in desperate need of salvation. There are other people who need to hear of how God gave you sight. There are people who need to go wash in the pool. The world is very, very pregnant. <laughs> the due date was back then. You know, it's any day now. Christ is coming back. Ezekiel 33, 1-7. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, uh, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land... 
If the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for the watchman, right? So there's a sword coming, and if the people say, okay, you watch out, you're going to be the watchman, let us know what's going on, right? If he seeth the sword upon the land, he bloweth the trumpet and warn the people, right? Isn't that the job of a watchman? If you're, if you're on the tower looking for when the army's coming, you, you're looking for the army and you're blowing the trumpet. Hey, everyone, the army's coming. That, that's your job. And, and that, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. Focus less upon the blood stuff. We can talk about that another time. You know, don't, you know, whatever. So the blood shall be upon his own head, right? So if the, if the watchman blows a trumpet, hey, guys, there's a war coming, the people, the swords. Um, and then the other guys are like, it's cool, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay here. Like, they're like, alright, I don't care what's gonna happen. Then it's their fault, right, if they get wrecked by the army. But if the watchman sees the swords coming, and he has a trumpet, and he's like, well, I'm gonna get out of here. <laughs> he throws a trumpet, he takes care of himself, and doesn't warn the people, right, he doesn't do his job. Then this is saying, if the watchman sees the sword come, Blow out the trumpet, people will not be warned. Warned, if the sword come and take any person from among him, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman into the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of thy mouth and warn them from me. Right? So that is us. Right? Forget about the blood stuff for now. That's us. We're a watchman. Right? Isn't there a sword coming? You know what I mean? The word of God is two-edged sword. Jesus Christ is the word of God. Isn't Jesus Christ coming back? So there's a sword. There's a sword coming. See how that lined up? There's a sword coming back, and we're watchmen in the night. Right? And so we have a job to do, is that when we see the sword, we know it's coming. So we've seen the sword coming. That's That's... If you haven't seen the sword coming, the sword's coming. Jesus is coming back. Now we're all on the same page, right? We have to blow the trumpet. We have to look out for the people because they need to be warned, right? The blind man needs his sight. The, the, the obedience needs to happen. Uh, the disciples were just supposed to be fishermen. Uh, he would have left them on the boat. But instead, he took them with him and made them fishers of men, right? Um, there's, uh, so, Havla and Lisa, and maybe Jorge, fingers crossed, right? Uh, they work at UCA, and there's this, uh, they have these, like, little quotes, these are, like, kindergartners, right, about God and stuff. And there's this one that Havla brought home, um, and basically it says, God put eyes in us so that we could see him. And then they like wrote them all fancy and like, but it's like these quotes from little kids. And Jesus this, so this, gave us so we could see him. Do what? Jesus gave us our eyes so we could see him. Yeah, so Jesus gave us our eyes so we could see him. So second grader gets it. <laughs> kindergartner. <laughs> kindergartner. Oh, kindergartner gets it. You can think second grader if you want. So that student, that little kid gets it. Jesus gave you eyes so you could see him. We have vision so we see him coming back. And it's time to get to work. Make sense? He gave us eyes so that we could receive. He gave us eyes so that we could obey. And he gave us eyes so that we could preach. 
right? The vision, the pool of sin, now that you've watched it and now that you can see, you see need versus want. I need this because the sword's coming back. This is just a want because the sword's coming back. Jesus is coming back. I don't really need that. I need this. This is what matters. Now that you see, it's so that you can see the reality of this world. And if you've forgotten, will you pray with somebody and wash in the pool again? Which is, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> I've stopped looking. I've closed my eyes. I need you to restore my sight. It's not hard. You know, it wasn't hard then. It's not going to be hard now. But Christ wants you to see. That's the job of the Christian, is to go out into the world and see, to be the light, to see when people need that word, to see when people need that hug, or to see when, you know, so earlier when we were talking about what do you see when you open up your door, you know, if you have the sight that Christ gave you, you see a day of you going out and preaching Christ. You see a day of you going out and being a missionary. You know, if you sit down for dinner, what do you see? Do you see an opportunity to edify your family? Do you see an opportunity to, to speak truth and love to the people around you? Um, when you show up on Sunday, what do you see? Do you see the mission field of people of every spectrum coming in into, into church? You know, and to see the opportunity to celebrate and worship Christ, do you see that? Do you see on Sunday or on Friday night, fifth Friday nights when we're supposed to clean the church, do you see the chance of being a blessing that we have? Of, of serving that we have, of serving the mission. Do you see that? Do you see when someone's asking you for money for something, the opportunity of, of giving, of rejoicing? Do you see properly? And so uh, that's the question on the table. Um, are you seeing what needs to be seen? Um, and so that's the, the end. When you, when you see um, prophecy, you are able to evaluate need. And that's um, seen in 2 Kings 6, 15-17, right? Elijah and his servant are, are walking, and they get surrounded by these, this enemy. And Elijah is totally calm. And the servant's like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And he's like, Lord, would you just open this guy's eyes? And the guy's eyes are open, and there's just chariots everywhere, and God's army is But that's us. You know, we're freaking out. We don't actually see what needs to be seen. But when you open your eyes, and your eyes are washed in the pool, and you see what needs to be seen, it's a whole different world. It's a whole different ballgame. And so, um, that's it.